So the topic for today, and this is actually, so far it's going to, only going to be two parts, but it could be a third. You never know how these things unfold. And it's called, it, it is for our benefit. Or our benefit. And I'd like us to turn to the book of John, chapter 15. And we, I'm going to only cover the first two verses. And not everything in the verse, just specific things I want to point out concerning it is for our benefit. The book of John, chapter 15, verses 1 through 2. I'm going to read it first from the New King James Version. And then I'm going to read it from the Amplified Bible or the Amplified Version. So I'm reading from the New King James Version first. And it says, chapter 15, verse 1. The Bible says, Jesus is speaking. He says, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. And in the Amplified, it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that continues to bear fruit, he repeatedly prunes, so that it will bear more fruit, even richer and finer fruit. Now, I, you know, I preached this message before, not this message, but I talked about uh, the vine dresser. And the vine dresser, as it says in the script, scripture here, is the father. The vine dresser is the one who goes around pruning the vine. Pruning the branches. He's the one doing the cutting away. He's the one doing the shaping. So the father is doing the shaping. Okay? In this, in this context here. Because Jesus says, I am the vine. We are the branches. And the father is the vine dresser. So, as we read this scripture, do we ever really take the time to understand what this scripture is really saying specifically about bearing fruit and how it applies to our lives. You know, we read the scripture, we have a message about it, but do we ever sit and meditate on what it means about bearing fruit? And how that fruit is produced or, or comes forth in our lives? Do, do we ever really sit and meditate on that? But in, this, in these scriptures, I want to focus specifically on verse 2, and the second part of that verse. And the second part of verse 2 says, Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Mm -hmm. That it may bear more fruit. I'm not concerned about the ones that get cut off, that not bearing fruit. I'm talking about the ones that bear fruit, and he still goes and prunes it. Mm -hmm. This is what I want to focus on. He repeatedly, that's a vine dresser, he repeatedly prunes so that it will bear more fruit. Now the righteous fruit that is born in our lives reveals our relationship in Christ, which is a reflection on our abiding. Let me repeat that. The righteous fruit, I can't just say fruit, because from our lives, we're talking in the context of Christ, the fruit that is born is righteous fruit. That is born in our lives. Reveals our relationship in Christ. 
because he's the vine and we are the branches and we are abiding in him. That has to, that's talking about relationship. And that abiding, that relationship is a reflection on that relationship. The abiding and the fruit that's born is a reflection on the relationship. Now in verse 7 and 8, the scripture says, if you, you can look at it, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you may ask, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so that you will be my disciples. So, Jesus is saying, for you to bear righteous fruit, you have to abide in me. And to keep bearing fruit, the vine dresser is going to keep pruning you. And he says, whatever you ask, if you abide in me, it shall be done for you to glorify the Father. So what you ask for, when what you ask for is manifested, it's showing your abiding. The fruit from your abiding is to glorify God. So God keeps pruning us to keep bearing more fruit, which glorifies him even more. This is not about us, but how the Father glorifies himself through the saints in the Son. Because the Bible says we are what? Living epistles. How our lives, the fruit of our lives, is an example or a testimony to our life in Christ. Verse 2b, when we talk about if we are bearing fruit, now, this is something I don't know if you ever ask yourself. If I am bearing fruit, why do we have to bear more fruit? If I'm bearing fruit, if I'm being fruitful, why do I have to bear more fruit? Because the, the word says, the vine dresser, he said the, the branches that bear fruit, he prunes it, he cuts it back so that it will bear more fruit. So Lord, if I'm bearing fruit, why do you have to go cut me back so I'm, I can bear more fruit? Is the fruit I'm bearing, is it not enough? Apparently not. Okay? Why prune those who are bearing fruit? Why? There's just questions. I don't know if you ever asked these questions. Well, we're going to break down what that means. That you haven't reached your full potential. We'll talk about that. First of all, there are different types of fruit. So we make a statement, we haven't reached our potential. But what does that mean? We have to break that down. So first of all, there are different types of fruit. And no one person in Christ, still in the flesh, still alive today, has it all together. Even the, those who have died, they didn't have it all together. Or can do it all. There's nobody who in Christ can do it all. Because we are bearing fruit in some areas of our lives. That is allowing the Lord to express himself through us. Does not mean, because we are bearing fruit in a part of our lives, does not mean that we have all arrived. As my sister did, said, we haven't reached our full potential. Or, nor have we or are we free of areas that can snare us and bring us into bondage. We haven't arrived. We haven't arrived. We are still being perfected daily as we go from faith to faith. 
while we are still in this body, we have we are being perfected because we haven't reached our full potential. We haven't fully matured to the stature of Christ. So the vine dresser will always have to work on us because of this flesh we're living in. Always have to work on us. Because if left unattended, we will revert to corruption. Back to corruption. So the vine dresser is always going to be pruning because we haven't reached our full potential. The war is still raging in our bodies. The flesh and the spirit are at odds with each other. The battle for our souls as we are consistently bombarded by the power of sin and its influences. That's why Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6.12. He said, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called. We have to fight the good fight of faith daily. Because we are in this flesh. And what we are talking about earlier before the service started. We are talking about the shepherd. And we are talking about trusting God to know what we need when we need it. need it. That is a fight of faith. Believing what the word of God says about who we are and who God is by his character. And what he promises to us that he will do. That's fighting the good fight. When you choose to believe his word. And the Spirit testifies of what His Word says about who He is or what He will do. So we have to fight the good fight of faith. Because the soul, the, bo- the body, the flesh and the Spirit is at odds. So we have to feed the Spirit man. We have to become more fruitful. We have to be bear more fruit because God has already ordained. And you listen to this. Who we are and what we are becoming. Turn to Romans 8.29 We have to bear more fruit because God has already ordained who we are and what we are becoming. Romans 8.29 Tell me when you're there. Okay, Romans 8.29 says For whom he foreknew For whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's the only part of the scripture I'm going to read. But I'll read the rest. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. It says, whom he foreknew. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. So why? So when I said we have to bear fruit because God has already ordained who we are. And what we are becoming. What are we becoming? What are we becoming? We are being conformed into the image of his son. That is what we are, we are that's what we are becoming. Because God has already determined that's what he is, what his desire is for man. Now how this unfolds, folds, God's plan, how this unfolds is based on a strategy and plan that God has ordained from the beginning. So whatever is going on in our lives, whatever it is of being, of, of whatever it is we have to go, go, go through to be conformed into the image of Christ, that is already that's been God's strategy from the beginning, when He said that He will have uh, be a father of many nations when He made the promise to, to Abraham. Now, 
How does that pruning take place? And what does it look like? How the pruning takes place? We said the vine dresser prunes so that we bear more fruit. How does that pruning take place? What does it look like in our lives, in reality? We talk about it as far as, far as the, the talking about the grapevines and the branches. But how does that translate now to our lives, to day-to-day living? Alright, now let's get started about that. One form of pruning is through chastening. Chastening doesn't necessarily mean you did something wrong. Doesn't necessarily mean you did something wrong. Pruning is not pleasant and is painful. What you are doing, what the vine dresser is doing, you are stopping something from what it wants to do naturally so that you can shape it into what you want it to become. Let me repeat that. Pruning is not pleasant and it's painful. What the vine dresser is doing, what the father is doing, is stopping something from what it wants to do naturally so that he can shape it into what he wants it to become. What is that? The image of his son. So he's going to keep pruning, cutting away, chastening, whatever it is. I said chastening is one form of pruning. Okay? The vine dresser or the potter, using the biblical context of examples, already, listen, listen to this. The vine dresser and the potter already knows what the vine, the branches and the clay will look like. He already knows what he's trying to achieve. He's not making it up as he goes. Already knows. So the shaping of that thing into a predetermined image based on a desired outcome. The pruning is to shape the thing into a predetermined image based on a desired outcome. They already know, the father already knows what the outcome he wants for the branch. So he's shaping it so that they can, the final product will be like how he already knows in his, in his plan what it is he wants to get, to, to, to form, to get. The final outcome. So our life, whatever we're going through, is no there are no accidents. It's strategy God has placed in time and space and certain moments in our lives to shape us into a certain image. To take us from faith to faith. From glory to glory. See, once you have an understanding of what the, that the, if you really understand how much you are, we are loved, we will endure chastening. But chastening is painful. It's unpleasant. Because what we want to do naturally, God is saying, no, we need to change that. Or you need a little, you need to bear more fruit in this. So I'm going to prune you back. Because you still haven't reached your full potential. (laughs) Amen. So let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. We're going to read 5 through 11. The Bible says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged 
when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you, de- if you endure chastening, verse 7, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, and of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of Spirit and live? For they indeed for a few days chasten us as seemed best to them, but for our profit, or for our benefit, that we may be partakers of His holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, after it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. The key, one, two key things I want to look at briefly in those verses. And, and they're, in, they're in verse 5 and verse 6. In verse 5 it says, an interesting word, is how we are addressed. It says, my son. That's important. My son. That's just how this that's how this is addressed. My son. Or in verse six it says, Every son whom he receives, son. He say calling us son, children. But son refers to mature mature children. Sons and verse six, whom he receives. Very important. I, I don't know if you you meditate on that. He's addressing sons. And why is that important? He says, verse 8, If you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. So sons endure the chastening. They don't rebel. If you're rebellious, you're, you're, you're making yourself illegitimate. Because sons, the father can, can chasten sons. And he deals with sons. But those who are illegitimate, those who are not heirs. We only are rebellious. You're, you're not acting like a son. You're not acting like an heir. Because you can't deal with illegitimate, rebellious children. So you understand? A son has rights. And an illegitimate doesn't. And verse 10, it says what? The chastening, God deals with you as son. Verse 10, it says here, For they indeed for a few days, talking about fathers chastening their sons, for a few days chasten us as seems best to them. Talking about um, earthly fathers. He said the chastening is for our profit. Why? So that we might be partakers of his holiness. So we are being chastened to be what? To become like our Father. To be a partaker of His holiness. So what does all this have to do with bearing fruit? When you're bearing the fruit that we're talking about, 
is the same fruit that comes forth. That fruit comes from what? It's the same characteristic of our Father. Because Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. The vine has the life. And gives the life to the branches. The branches can only produce fruit because of the life it has in the vine. Now if the vine is holy, therefore the fruit from the branches has to be holy. Right? Same thing is saying here. Partakers of his holiness. So we, when we get pruned, when we go through chastening, the fruit that comes forth identifies us as sons of God. Because the fruit that comes from us is righteous. It's holy. It identifies us as sons of God. It shows that we are abiding in Christ. And the testimony of the fruit that's produced glorifies God. Because it's not our fruit. It's the fruit that He is able to express through us. He's able to express His fruit through us as we are abiding in the Son. Amen? I was excited about when I was studying this. You all just not seem excited. But it is. And in another way, it says in another scripture, in the old King James, it says, be partakers of his divine nature. So we are to be like Christ. As Jesus has said in John 10, 30, I and my Father, listen to this. Jesus said in John 10, 30, I and my Father are one. The fruit that Jesus produced is fruit that comes forth because of his relationship to the Father. He said, because whatever I say and whatever I do, it's not me who's saying it. It's not me who's doing it. It's the Father who is telling me what to say and showing me what to do. And I do in like manner. He says, it's not me. It's the Father in me doing the works. So he... The glory is not mine. The glory is the Father's. And he says, I and my Father are one. What is God's purpose for man, for redeem man? Go to John 17. And I will show you. John chapter 17. I quote it, but I just thought in this, <clears throat> for this message that I have you all look at it. John chapter 17. John chapter 17. And I'll wind up here. I will continue next week. John chapter 17 verses 20 to 23. And this always gets me excited. Because when I got this understanding, I started getting the understanding. It was so exciting to me. Are you there? John chapter 17, we start at verse, verse 20 and we read to 23. Now this is when Jesus was praying. He was praying for the disciples and he was praying for those to come. Those who are going to believe in him. Are you there? John chapter 17. We're going to start at verse 20. Jesus is praying. He said. I do not pray for these alone. He's talking about the disciples. But also for those who will believe in me. Through their word. That's us. That they all. May be one. As you father are in me. And I in you. That they all may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. 
What is he saying? He said, I am praying for those who are here and those to come. What? That they all, those who are here and those to come, that they all will be one. One means one. Right? That they all may be one. I, Father, I in you, Father, and you in me, that they may be one in us. So that the world may believe that you sent me. Now Jesus said in John 10.30. I and my father are one. So why are we going through pruning? Because. As Jesus. Is in the father. And one with the father. He's in the father and the father in him. He's praying here that they, those who are here to come. May be one and one in us. So we are in. Christ is in the father. The Father is in Christ. We are in Christ. So we are not only one with Christ, but we are one with the Father. So it is not wrong for us to say, I and our Heavenly Father, we are one. It's not wrong for us to say that we, we and Jesus, we are one. Why? Because we are in Him. If you are in something, that means you are part of it. You are not separate. You are one. You are part of it. So if Christ is in the Father, and the Father is in Christ, and we are in Christ, guess what? We are all one. We are all one. But we are in this flesh. So he has to prune, so that the flesh is put into subjection. So that we can bear more fruit, and reach the potential of the Son. Glory to God. Did you hear what I'm saying? So that's the purpose of the pruning. That's why the Bible says, call it all, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Mm-hmm. But also count it all joy when you're being pruned. Mm-hmm. Count it all joy when you're being chastened. Why? Because it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And what is that? It's manifesting your relationship in Christ. Amen. It's manifesting the glory of God. It is showing that what we are going through is for whose benefit? It's for our benefit. Why? Because Jesus is already perfect. The Father is perfect. We are the ones who need to get our act together. So it's for our benefit. Glory to God. It is for our benefit. I'm going to stop there. And understand. The shaping that we are going through. Whatever we are going through. It's for our benefit. And it said in in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 5. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 5. If you get to where I was reading down in the last verse 11. It says, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, listen to this, nevertheless. Even though it's painful, and even though it's not joy, joyful, afterwards, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So, after you go through the chastening, and you learn something about yourself, the chastening 
is not to is not for God to learn something about Himself. The chastening is for us to learn something about ourselves and learn something about who our Father is. So after you learn it, you you have been what trained by it. When you learn something and you understand and you can do it, it means you have been trained, right? Amen? Amen. Because if you don't learn from it, if you can't execute or do it, you haven't been trained. When you're training somebody to do something, what are you looking looking to see? So what's a disciple? A student under learning. A disciple is a student in training. How do you know your disciples are trained to do what you have been teaching them? They have to show that they can do exactly what it is you show them to do. If they're not doing, if you're training somebody to cook something or to, to, or to balance a spreadsheet or, or something, whatever it is to sew, you're training somebody, you're going to put them through the paces to see if they are following instructions, if they, the end outcome is going to be what you desire it to be. Now, if the end outcome, if they can produce that thing, then they are trained. Right? So it's saying here, it yields a piece of peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So when you're being chastened, whatever you're going through is for us to learn. We have to learn something. We learn something about ourselves and we learn something about our Father. And we'll talk more about that next week. Okay? So I hope you receive something today. In Jesus' name.